everybody. Welcome to the October 26, 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Duzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the missing 61,000 ballots being found in Adams County in the back of a truck that was supposed to be delivered to the U.S. Post Office facility. The ballots are now in the mail after it was found that the delay was due to insufficient paperwork from the truck as it arrived at the USPS facility. Patty Calhoun from Westward, at this point, it feels like much to do about nothing, but 61,000 ballots in one county is nothing to sneeze at, and the fact that it was over paperwork into a post office facility at least deserved the headline. Your thoughts? Well, after the problems with the Blue Book, people should have been a little more careful with everything, and the fact that they were... Who knows how many more trucks have ballots sitting in them if no one bothered to look? But I think the good thing was this was caught in time, so those people in Adams County will be able to vote. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. And I guess it's pretty natural for knee-jerk reaction to go to the Secretary of State or whoever's the clerk and recorder. And it was really some person deciding a paperwork of one of four trucks that are going to a facility. Uh, is this part of the judgment uh, advice you've given us before where you need the whole story before making claim of who's guilty or not? Yes, but without assigning particular guilt, two things. Back in like the late 1940s, socialists would say, oh, of course socialism can work because look how well the post office works and everything else that a socialist government did would be just as efficient as the post office. And I, I think that general principle is still true. And so if you want a complete government monopoly takeover of all health care, it will probably work about as well as the post office does. That that was an efficient way around the barn, David. Well done. <laughs> Eric, uh, the 61,000 ballots gratefully found, uh, but the, the controversy surrounding it. On the one hand, I feel bad for the Adams County clerk for reasons expressed. On the other hand, it calls to mind that old phrase, you had one job. <laughs> I'm glad the ballots are out there. I'm glad people will get a chance to vote. But, uh, you know, there's, it, it shows you some of the pitfalls of vote by mail, even though I think the advantages far outweigh the pitfalls. Running at the panel, Megan Schrader, editorial page editor of the Denver Post. It's great to have you back. Uh, what did you think when we saw the headline and then the story behind it? Thanks for having me. Um, I thought, oh, poor Secretary of State Wayne Williams will find some way to be blamed for this. They tried awful hard to place it, the blame on him. Um, I don't think it's stuck. I don't think he can be blamed for this, um, but it's humorous. Yeah, <laughs> and gratefully that it's humorous, especially in the season. We definitely need it. Senator Bernie Sanders was in town this week to stump for Democratic candidates in Colorado, including Jared Polis. Fans gathered at an event held at CU were excited to see him, and it's fair to say that Republican candidates also enjoyed his appearance. Sanders made a point to critique the fact that billionaires are able to buy elections. All this with Jared Polis standing right behind him. Uh, Penny, we had Donald Trump come out with his endorsement of Walker Stapleton a couple weeks ago, and something that went well to the base and gave a lot of fodder to the other side. And it seems that Bernie Sanders delivered the very same thing this week. Perhaps I'm uh, being too superficial. What do you think? Well, especially his line, Bernie, about billionaires being able to buy elections. And I guess Polis is on the borderline with the multi, multi, multi billionaire. Uh, Bernie still has some star, star power, and so that was interesting to watch. He energized the presidential campaign four years ago. He still got people out to talk about him. He's certainly got uh, Polis's press person in a lot of trouble on this when she went and wanted to stop a, uh, a, an anti-Polis protester from filming. That created a lot of trouble. It's interesting because Stapleton's 
campaign has been very good at stonewalling the press, but in this case, the polis people didn't do themselves any favor either. But Bernie still gets people out there, and he still gets people arguing. David, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Trump's endorsement, where it was kind of a momentary uh, headlines, not necessarily real serious damage. Would you put that the same way when Bernie Sanders comes out and says billionaires shouldn't buy elections in front of somebody who doesn't quite have a billion yet, but... Oh, I think it's, it's extremely unfair to Polis. Jared Polis is worth, by latest reports, $374 million. And let's presume his parents also have a lot of money from their sale of Blue Mountain Arts. I doubt altogether it's even a billion dollars. And Jared himself is barely over one-third of a billion. He's close. He's much closer in wealth to you or me than he is to a billionaire. The, you know, compared to, like, the, the big guys, Tom Steyer, the Kochs, Bloomberg... Jarris has put in $20 million of his own money. Now, that's out of $374 million. That's a significant percent. You know, whereas when if Bloomberg puts $20 million into something, that's, he just, like, goes through the, his couch and, and finds some gold doubloons, and, and he doesn't even notice it. It's like you, you, you've given a guy on the street a quarter. Uh, it doesn't have any effect on, on your total wealth. And, and Bernie is saying, let the little guy have a chance. Instead of these big billionaires, how about the hundred millionaires who get shut out of our system so much? <laughs> uh, hard to follow anything that includes uh, Spanish doubloons, but uh, Eric, do your best. What do you think, is there any lasting effect of Bernie's visit to Colorado? First, I think we need to page a surgeon here to get Dung, uh, David's tongue out of his cheek because it was very <laughs> firmly uh, implanted, <laughs> implanted there. Uh, what do I think? I think it speaks to how politics has changed over the last 10, 15 years where uh, these late visits are all designed to gin up the base. They're not... There is not a centrist voter who is truly undecided between Jared Polis and Walker Stapleton who is going to take their cue from Bernie Sanders. That person doesn't exist. The other person who doesn't exist is a Bernie Sanders voter who isn't already on board with Jared Polis. So neither of those voters, in my mind, exist out there. But yet, you come in to gin up the base, to try to drive some enthusiasm. It's not lost on me that it was held at CU. You know, they certainly didn't go to downtown Colorado Springs or to Grand Junction for this particular event. They went to Boulder for it. Does it kind of have any consequence? No, it's not going to have any consequence, I think, either positive or negative, but it dominates the news for a day or two. Megan, what do you think? I tend to agree with Eric that you have a crowd there who is, I, I, one report said, as a woman exclaimed, I, he touched my hand, he touched my hand. It, it, the Beatles are in town, that's great. But that person's already voting for the Democratic ticket. And he didn't change anybody's minds who was maybe on the fence, still looking at their ballot on their coffee table, their kitchen table. So do these have value when you see these high-profile visits in the end of an election season? The value was not for Jared Polis or for Jonah Goose. The value um, was for uh, down-ticket close races that um, they need every single voter to turn out. Just like the value of Trump coming was not for any, any Republicans at the top of the ticket, it was for the down-ticket to, to get those voters out um, to forestall what people think is going to be a blue wave. That's what the effort is. Um, and it's effective to get people riled up Swooning over Bernie Sanders, apparently. <laughs> Swooning, indeed. <laughs> a poll from CU's American Politics Research Lab made headlines this week since the results suggested many ballot issues that have been reportedly lacking support are actually doing well. 
However, the online survey has been criticized for a variety of factors. David, uh, as soon as the headlines came out of uh, Amendment 73 going to pass, 74 uh, not doing well, 112 is going to pass, the criticisms of the poll came up pretty quickly. What do we need to know about the headlines we saw about the CU poll this week? Okay, first of all, it's a poll of registered voters. And we know from vast, vast experience that this close to an election, a poll of registered voters has no value. Serious pollsters do follow-up questions, and they try to make some estimates of how likely it is uh, that, that the person will turn out, which is always difficult. Uh, but a registered voters thing has no value in itself. On top of that, the, as the Colorado Sun did a good job of reporting, uh, these questions were not the questions as they will appear on the ballot or a paraphrase of them. They were... Uh, uh, phrased that would sometimes make you inclined to vote one way or the other, which is different from how people will actually see them on the ballot. When the CU Center is asked about all this, they say, oh, look, it was just a class project. So, so fine if you want to have a class project, but not every class project is worth being covered uh, as a news story. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, if you come out and say it's just a class project, there's a lot of class projects I was in that would not release out to the real world in college. Yeah. Uh, Eric, does this... Does this do any uh, damage uh, for those uh, ballot issues that, I mean, I think it's safe to say that some of them have uh, at least taken a different tact admitting that they're probably not going to pass. You see a lot of 110 ads now that are not really about 110, they're about 109. So, uh, I don't know, when you see, what, what was your reaction when you saw this? Are you disputing the results of this poll, Dominic? You don't think it, you don't think it came <laughs> down. Cynic. You don't think cynic. it came down on stone tablets? No, I think, I think David's <laughs> criticism is on the mark. Uh, academic institutions, starting with CU, are very good at some things. I'm not sure political polling, in the heat of the moment, that is a particular technology, a particular methodology, and there are many, many professional pollsters out there who have that down, but I would trust those professional pollsters who do this for a living. Sometimes they miss, but they live by their reputation, and you can go online now and find out whether they get an A grade or a B grade or whatever grade they get. And I would trust their numbers and their methodology and their thought process much more than this, uh, quote, class project. Uh, I know higher ed is hurting for money in the state. If CU really believes the numbers they have are going to uh, foreshadow the outcome, uh, call me up and we'll make a wager. <laughs> Megan, when the Denver Post puts their name on a poll, i got to imagine it takes a little more seriously than this poll did, and they probably don't rely on a class project. But when polls come out like this, make big headlines, and then are, I don't want to say debunked, but are criticized roundly, and I think fairly, does it do damage to the polls that have a lot more thought put into it, like we'll see from the Denver Post or other organizations trying to do a better job? It does damage them. It undermines their credibility. Um, it makes people skeptical which they should be skeptical of polls in general. I think 2016 taught everyone that, right? That we should be a little, have a little healthy skepticism about the polling. Um, but it, it, it can do more harm than good. Um, and I, I don't know to what extent it can create a, um, oh, well, maybe it has a chance of passing. Maybe I should, should support it um, to affect on voters if you misrepresent things. Um, probably not uh, to a great extent. Patty, you have wisely commented on the show many times that sometimes it points out that someone can use a good copy editor. Uh, it sounded like this polling needed a good copy editor. Uh, any other critiques or reactions you have? 
Well, part of it is we've heard so little polling on most of these amendments and ballot measures that people were really eager to jump on this and think maybe it meant something. But Megan's right. 2016 shows that polls have very little to do with the ultimate outcome. And I think more relevant will be when people sit down to actually fill out that ballot and look at the number of complicated issues. And there are going to be a lot of no ballots that haven't registered yet at all. The other thing to remember is that people can still register up until the day of the election. And it'll be, will the Bernie fans go out? Will the people who just don't want to see Jared Polis go out? It's hard to know, but we people can still really sway this election. And of course, maybe oil and gas will want to put in a couple tens of millions more, not billions, but tens <laughs> of millions more into the fight against 112. Uh, they, they may indeed, they may indeed. The Colorado Ethics Commission announced this week that an ethics complaint filed against Governor John Hickenlooper will move forward. The complaint states that the governor used private jets for travel paid for by supporters and did not report it as gifts of over $59. The Public Trust Institute, led by former Republican Speaker of the House Frank McNulty, launched the complaint. Eric, uh, if it goes through enough to say that the complaint will move forward, that is not a point of guilt. They didn't say that this is with merit, but enough that I guess the judgment was that it's not frivolous. Is that a big deal for a governor who is hoping to run, or possibly run for president in a couple of years? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a catastrophic deal, but it is a newsworthy deal. Uh, this Independent Ethics Commission, I don't know that they've done a whole lot over the years. I think most people, starting in the governor's office, thought that this would be summarily dismissed as frivolous, as political. Of course it's political, in that Frank McNulty formed this organization as a partisan Republican, filed a complaint the day after the formation of the organization. Of course it's political. Unfortunately, so much, both sides are now lawyered up with their own ethics watch organizations. The Democrats pioneered this tactic as part of their 2004-2006 quote-unquote blueprint for taking over state government and they filed numbers of these complaints against Republicans. There's an irony here which is Amendment 41 which we're talking about was sponsored by none other than Jared Polis. It was Jared Polis's brainstorm. It was his money behind it. So the, the amendment and the provisions that are now capturing John Hickenlooper and hanging him up are all a function of uh, Jared Polis's handiwork, which I enjoy that irony. Uh, I don't think it's going to have a major impact on his uh, gubernatorial race, but the limits on in Amendment 41 are incredibly low. So for anyone to travel the country, do anything, you're going to have trouble not bumping up, up against them. Megan, what do you think? Does a complaint like this uh, stick, or did it come at the right time, meaning in the middle of an election year where even political folks, it's going to get buried, uh, and it's only a topic three for us, and I think in a non-election year, it probably would have been topic one. Does, it, does he skate by on this one? So I think it'll be a long, drawn-out process. I mean, the legal complaints are going to be really technical, right? Can Hickenlooper claim that these weren't gifts, that these are, in fact, um, travels that he took with close friends? Close friends who um, make it, you know, similar to receiving a birthday gift from a close friend, right? I think that the, you're going to see these arguments get really technical. It's going to draw out for a long time. Um, and uh, the faster it gets resolved, the better for Hickenlooper, who has his sights on running in 2020. Um, but I, I don't think it'll be quick. Uh, Patty, you know John Hickenlooper very well. How do you think he responds to this? 
I think he will have his lawyers deal with it, and he will pretty much ignore it as he goes on today in the New York Times, where they have a big story on can Colorado save America, and basically the answer appears to be yes, because we're so broad-minded and we like to sit around the table and be congenial as we are right now. Was and it can Colorado inside out save America? Or <laughs> well, <laughs> that's we're extrapolating from that. We've Makes we've sense. got some time, but I mean this it's basically a love letter to the state, and you know signed by John Hickenlooper. He will weather this because it's not like the accusation is that they paid to roof his house. You know, most of this, as they come closer, will be arguably business where he was promoting the state and getting stories like, can Colorado save America? David, we've argued about some of the complaints that Eric brought up when this, basically, the tactic was used in a lot of uh, different Republicans. And many of those either were frivolous or, you know, we're talking about a $59 level here where this, we didn't build a Taj Mahal in his honor, but jet setting all around the country is, makes a lot of uh, really good stories. What do you think is going to be the impact of this complaint? I teach what is now Article 29 of our state constitution at, in, at DU Law School as part of the Colorado Constitution class. It's very badly written. It's excessive. And it is also on something like this clear. And it, I, I agree. I think it, it went way too far. But this is, there is no way out of this as, as I see it. This isn't a gift that you're allowed to... You can receive a gift from your family. Like, your, your dad's a firefighter. It's okay for your, your next-door neighbor to buy you a birthday present, which sort of actually, even that's technically illegal, but it's been interpreted to allow that. But, no, this wasn't happy birthday, John, uh, you know, from your cousin. Let's go to Italy to go to the Bilderberg Conference. <laughs> And then uh, to, to celebrate Father's Day, we're going to go to Davos, Switzerland, for that big conference of global conspirators uh, against the, the common good. This is way, way, way out of line. And, of course, it is a complaint that the commission properly said is should go forward and have a hearing by an administrative law judge. What the political impact will be, I don't know. But this, this is... If you're ever going to draw a line on ethics and gifts and things like that, and Amendment 29 draws a stringent one, this is miles and mi this is thousands of miles over the line. Quite literally. And if Davos, Switzerland is a Father's Day gift, my dad's going to want a lot more than a golf game this year. I've got up my game. The Denver Post released another round of endorsements this week, including urging Denver voters to reject the four tax increases on the Denver city and county ballot. We happen to have the editorial page editor of the Denver Post available to us in the panel. We don't always get that honor, but Megan, that made, uh, I, I'll just talk about it personally, that was a, a pretty bold statement of all four tax increases. Uh, tell us a little bit about why the editorial board decided to make such a move. So these ta proposed tax increases are um, going a, a little bit of a step further than just your, your general, let's increase revenue for um, the city's budget, right? These are uh, set-asides for specific projects, um, which I think it would be a concerning trend to allow it, groups to say, we want our own dedicated revenue stream. We're going to ask voters for it. Um, you know, the, the closest one is the parks. City Council did put their stamp of approval on that and said, yes, we need additional funding for parks. Um, but and the city is flush with cash. It's good economic times, but I just think these are all a, a bad precedent for the city. Patty, uh, seeing tax increase uh, t tax increase in the ballot for Denver is not a surprise. But I think seeing Denver Post come out against all four, I know I was surprised. What was your reaction? Brave. 
I thought this is a good, this is a really interesting move, especially after endorsing some of the people you've endorsed too. But I have to say, the Parks one didn't seem like a big call to me because didn't we just vote some more money from Parks? It was part of a bigger bond issue. But Denver, Denver residents have been very generous about voting for tax increases. I disagree a little bit on a few of these, but I think this is a lot of things, a lot of money that the city is asking for from voters when the city is flush, but sometime the city is not going to be flush, when people who are living here are increasingly squished by property taxes, especially small business owners. And this is a lot of money going to kind of boutique earmarked taxes when, in fact, if we want to increase the general fund because there are things we need, do that. But separating them all out seems definitely a step or two too far. David, sometimes the criticism for governments is that you're not specific enough with your tax increase request. And sometimes it's, well, this is a little too, uh, I'm not in favor of this particular issue. Uh, but is Denver going to the well one too many times with these? Mayor Hancock is, because I think there's a, a broader loss of confidence in him at this time when the city has record-setting revenues and yet seems to be often so deficient at, at funding the basics of government. And I'd say most of the things on that thing are things that are part of the basics of government anyway, including parks. And he's asking for a tax increase for parks at the time they've acquired the, the Park Hill Golf Course with plans to sell it to a developer. You know, if you're going to ruin what could be one of the best parks in the city, then you know, go spend the money on, like, buying more parks yourself instead of asking for even more taxes after you're destroying uh, the park system. Mental health is something that is a core thing government should be funding as part of the safety net. I would still vote for it if I were a Denver resident because it's so important. I wish the city of Denver were responsible enough to use its own original revenue, but we something has to be done on that one. Eric, what do you think? We've been watching a lot of Denver Post endorsements over the years uh, coming out against the four. What was your reaction? couple thoughts. If any of these were on the ballot by themselves, I would probably be inclined to support them. I think the issue here is the totality of them. It's not the individual particulars or even the merits of most of them. It's the need for triage. It's the need for priority setting by leaders. And I think that's what people are pointing a finger. And yes, three of them were initiated. Only one came on by city council. But Michael Hancock still has the power to build bully pulpit. He still has the power of calling people in and saying, not this year, maybe next year. There was just no sense of triage here. To, to Megan's credit, she is the latest in a long line of distinguished editorial page editors in the Post. For the most part, there have been exceptions, but for the most part, the Post has tended to endorse tax increases. There haven't been a whole lot of tax increases proposed that the Denver Post hasn't liked over the years, a few. For them to come out and say no on all four of these, I think was a strong, brave, as uh, somebody else used that word, it was a strong and brave statement. Speaking of brave, it's time for a very uh, favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. Patty, as always, please start us off. Well, to start being brave, I'm going to agree with David. The one of those that I would support is the mental health for a, and it's not a Denver County issue. I mean, it's an issue, but it's not the story. What's going on at Arapahoe High School and the number of suicides? Great story in the Colorado Sun describing an incredibly tragic situation that is not just at that high school, but high schools and grammar schools across the country with students committing suicide. David. 
perhaps winning the award for sleaziest ad by an outside organization this year is in the uh, Faith, Faith Winner and Beth Martinez Humanek in, in the state legislature. One's the Democrat, one's Republican. Both voted to increase legislative pay, which I think is fine. There hadn't been, been an increase in 20 years. They both voted for the increase, and one of these outside dark money groups is running ads saying the Republican Martinez Humanek voted to increase her pay, so vote for Faith Winner. <laughs> Eric. Uh, this one it hurts me in some respects. The Brownstein Law Firm here, a prominent, huge, Denver-based but international law firm, uh, which contributes so much to this community in many respects. I've worked with them on a few projects in years past. But they have a $125,000 a month, million and a half dollar a year retainer with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to provide public uh, uh, lobbying services, let's call it what it is, lobbying services in D.C., other law firms, other public relations shops have walked away from Saudi Arabia given recent events. The Brownstein firm should do the same, but instead they're digging in their heels and maintaining this retainer. Megan. Um, in the vein of despicable ads, um, the Lakewood race where Democrat Brittany Pedersen is running, um, her opponent, Tony Sanchez, ran a political ad mailer that uh, includes an image of a needle, um, someone shooting up heroin, and saying that she'll put addicts on your street. Pedersen has been an advocate for um, combating the opioid crisis that we're facing, in large part because her mother struggled with addiction. It is terrible. Tony Sanchez should apologize for those ads. Um, he should stop running them. That's, we just expect more of our Colorado politicians. Let's say something nice rather quickly. Patty. Despite my disgraceful performance as Margaret Brown on the Colorado Inside Out time capsule, I was honored by uh, Historic Denver with the Molly Brown Award this, this week, which was quite an honor. And also, what a great organization Historic Denver is, saving as much of it as it can of the Denver that is so fast disappearing. None better to deserve the Molly Brown Award. Uh, David. Uh, this week is the 25th anniversary of President Reagan's liberation of the island, Caribbean island nation of Grenada from a Stalinist who had recently taken power in a coup. And that was an important stage in what was ultimately the destruction of the evil Soviet empire. Eric. Speaking of anniversaries, today is the 40th anniversary of my father's passing. Uh, there are still a few viewers out there who probably remember him as a prominent professor, scholar, political, civic activist. Uh, his certainly the dominant influence in my life, and his memory remains a blessing. Megan. Um, I think that all of the local journalists in Colorado deserve a big shout-out. It's getting down to crunch time. They've done a great job of holding these politicians accountable. Um, I just think they're doing a great job. You're here. Well, I want to also say a reminder for next week. Our debate season comes to a close as we feature the candidates for Secretary of State, Republican incumbent Wayne Williams, and Democratic challenger Jenna Griswold. And at 7.30, our championship match of both sides of the story tournament is here. Students from Cherry Creek and Mount Vista face off, debating if undocumented students should be able to pay in-state tuition at Colorado universities. Finally, as we near the close of the election season, two important reminders. One, we will feature live election night coverage right here from the CPT12 studios and this table from 8 to 10 p.m. Coverage will include results and live reports from CBS4 and KOA News Radio. Secondly, we feel that offering debates and election coverage is our duty to our viewers and our community. We've been proud to do it for over 20 years. It's not cheap. If, debates, if our debates and coverage have been valuable to you, 
please consider becoming a member. Let us know that this is important to you. It's your support that makes it possible. And if you're already a member, thank you so much for making this happen. For everyone here at CPT12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. Thank you.